Welcome to the podcast for Runaway. I'm the author, Sabine Wilder, here to read my book to you. Let's get started. Chapter 11. Family Affair Mr. Russell nearly fainted when he opened the door to see Susan Wolfe carrying something resembling the corpse of his daughter. She's all right, Susan said before he could question anything. She's asleep, and I didn't want to wake her. Mr. Russell stared. Anna was frighteningly pale, with deep circles under her eyes, and a gauze bandage wrapped around her neck. What? What's going on? I'm sorry, Susan shifted Anna's weight in her arms, but can we come in? Mr. Russell noticed others standing behind Susan. There was a boy around his daughter's age who seemed friendly enough, but the woman standing beside him wore a severe scowl on her face. Her pale eyes caught the light from the doorway, reflecting the way an animal's would in the dark. Mr. Russell rubbed his eyes. Worry and fatigue were making him see things. A tall, well-dressed man pushed forward, extending his hand. Mr. Russell, my name is Vincent Ravini, contact agent of Fenris. He flashed an official-looking badge by Mr. Russell and continued, I'm sorry we have to meet under these circumstances, but I'll explain everything to you fully. What happened? Mr. Russell took a step back, allowing Susan and her entourage through the door. A squeal rang through the hallway, and his wife approached, making a beeline for Anna. "'What's going on? What happened to Anna? Is she all right?' "'She's fine, Mrs. Russell.' Susan let her inspect her daughter. She passed out from exhaustion. "'Are you sure? Maybe we should take her to the hospital.' Vincent was quick to interrupt. "'She's been examined by one of our finest medical staff, Mrs. Russell. I assure you.' Anna will be fine. She just needs rest. I was going to put her to bed. Susan adjusted her grip and headed toward the stairs. Mr. Russell realized how silly he was being with everyone standing in his doorway, especially Susan, whose muscles must be giving out from carrying his daughter like that. Take her upstairs, would you please, Susan? No need to stand around. He motioned the strangers toward the living room. I'm sorry. I forgot my manners. What did you say your name was, Mr... Ravini, but please, call me Vince. Right, Vince. Try as he might, Mr. Russell couldn't keep the edge off his voice. And would you care to explain to me, Vince, how you showed up at my door in the middle of the night with my daughter in such a state? I intend to explain everything, Mr. Russell, Vince said. However, it might take a while, and I appreciate your patience. Right, you're with the police, or CSIS, or something? Fenris, sir. You've likely never heard of us. We're sort of off the books, one might say. What does this have to do with Anna? Mr. Russell sank into his favorite easy chair. The others took places around the living room as his wife and Susan returned from upstairs. Oh, goodness. Mrs. Russell wrung her hands together. I wasn't expecting anyone. Would anyone like a cup of tea? Tea? Mr. Russell felt his right eye pulse. It's the middle of the night. Who wants tea? Actually, I'd love a cup right about now. The boy jumped up from his place on the couch. Would you like a hand, Mrs. Russell? Leslie. Vince was quick to scold him. It's all right, Mrs. Russell. Please don't trouble yourself. Do whatever you need to make yourself comfortable. I'll put the kettle on. Mrs. Russell made her way to the kitchen, less in tow. Mr. Russell rubbed the tension from his face. Now you've got her going. It took forever for the clanging of cutlery in China to subside, for the tea to brew and be poured, and for everyone to finally be sitting quietly in the living room. 
Mr. Russell gripped the armrests of his chair, barely containing his growing anxiety. So, is someone going to tell me now what's going on? Yes, Vince took a deep breath. I'd like to start by saying your daughter will be all right. She's been through a lot tonight and needs her rest, but she will be fine. So you've said, but what happened? I'd like to put your mind at ease, Mr. Russell, but I'm afraid there is no simple version of the story I'm going to tell you. Please bear with me. As I mentioned, I'm here on behalf of an organization called Fenris. Our job is to monitor certain individuals with a known medical condition. For the most part, these individuals are law-abiding citizens, but once in a while, someone goes out on a limb and disobeys the law. Our job, then, is to track them down and bring them to justice as necessary. Are you trying to tell me, Vince, that my daughter had a run-in with some sort of whack job? Mr. Russell, I know this is hard to hear, but please, try not to jump to conclusions. It's not always as straightforward, but yes, in this case we are dealing with a criminal Fenris has been hunting for many years. What did that creep do to my daughter? Mr. Russell was done being polite. Please, Mr. Russell, calm down. Anna is going to be fine. She did have contact with a criminal we call Hunter. He was going to harm Anna, but we interceded before anything serious happened. Then why is she passed out like that? You can't tell me nothing happened. What did he do to her? Mr. Russell, I understand you are very upset, but please... I want answers, and I want them now. Mr. Russell slammed his fist into the arm of his chair. Vince folded his hands in front of him, choosing his words carefully. Anna was targeted by Hunter. She was going to be his next murder victim. He abducted Anna this afternoon, but we managed to find them before he could reach his goal. Anna was injured, but our medical team has attended to her. It could have been worse, Mr. Russell. Far worse. Mr. Russell's mouth was dry, but he forced the words out. How was she injured? Vince shifted, visibly uncomfortable. The nature of Anna's injury is complicated. I'm not sure you're ready to hear it. What the hell does that mean? Stop beating around the bush and spit it out. Anna was bitten by Hunter. She was lucky to survive. What kind of nutcase bites people? A vampire. Vince remained serious, his voice deadpan. Silence reigned in the room. Mr. Russell tittered in an uneasy laugh. Wait, are you trying to tell me this sicko thinks he's some kind of vampire? No, I'm telling you he is a vampire. He kills his victims by draining their blood. That's what he tried to do to Anna. However, a complication arose. No, no, no. Mr. Russell rose from his seat, pacing the living room floor. You're not going to sit there and try to tell me my daughter was attacked by a vampire. This is beyond ridiculous. I don't care who you are or who you work for. Get out of my house. I can see you're upset. This is probably not the best time to talk about this. Vince rose from his seat, straightening his jacket. I will be in touch with you. Oh, no, you won't. I've had enough of your shenanigans. Mr. Russell pointed an accusing finger at Vince, his voice rising to a scream. Get out. Suddenly the room whirled before him as a hand clamped around Mr. Russell's neck, tearing him from the ground, so that his feet dangled beneath him. He choked and spluttered, fighting to regain balance until the horrifying visage of a white wolf snarled into his face. You should be grateful your daughter is alive, not cursing the people who saved her. The hand around his neck released and Mr. Russell crumpled to the floor. 
He reached a protective hand up to his neck while frantically casting about the living room, but there was no sign of the strange creature. What? What was that? That was Evelyn Burns. Vince rubbed long, elegant fingers into his temples. Please excuse my associate's behavior. It's been a hard night for everyone. Vince held out his hand to help Mr. Russell to his feet, but the older man waved him away. Just go, please. I, I don't want any trouble. I'm sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Russell. This is not how I intended to explain things. I think we should go. Vince nodded at the boy and Susan, who rose and made their way to the door. The silence the guests left in their wake was disconcerting. Mr. Russell sat beside his wife on the sofa. She leaned into him, letting out a sob. He held her tight, letting out the tears he had been holding back all evening. Anna ran her fingers through silky white fur. Her bed was snug and she felt warm, cuddled up to the white wolf lying next to her. It smelled wonderful and familiar, even though Anna couldn't remember where it came from. Perhaps it had always been there, watching over her as she slept. But something itched in the back of her mind. She had seen the wolf somewhere else. Somewhere unpleasant. Anna's neck throbbed and her limbs twitched. A fire was spreading from her mouth through the rest of her body. She clawed at her skin, but the burning ran deeper through her veins. She tried to cry out, but couldn't move. No longer in her bed, she lay on a cold, dusty floor. The window above her was shattering in slow motion, flecks of glass flying in every direction. The white wolf flew through a spray of shards, her lips drawn back in a terrible snarl. Anna bolted upright, her heart hammering in her chest. Familiar walls surrounded her, and she realized she was in her room. She placed a hand over the thumping in her chest, feeling her heart slam against her ribs. At least it was beating. She must be alive after all. Slowly she brought her hand from her chest up to her neck. Her fingers grazed the bandage, and she drew them back in shock. Memories trickled back to her as she carefully inspected the spot where Will had bitten her. It was sore, but not painful. A dull ache instead of the fire she had been dreaming of. Anna tugged at the tape holding the gauze to her neck. This wasn't a dream. It was real. She almost died last night. She could feel the veil of darkness closing in around her, but someone saved her. Someone pulled her back from the abyss in the nick of time and led her back to the world of the living. It was hard to remember, like trying to recall a dream once you wake up. Maybe it was all in her head something her mind concocted while she was dying. But there was a lingering sense, even now in the waking world, that it had been all too real. Someone led her through the darkness. Then she heard Susan calling her. The next thing Anna knew, she was lying on her side, face to face with a strange wolf creature with fur tinted the same color as Susan's hair. Despite never having seen Susan like that before, there was no doubt in Anna's mind who she was looking at. There were others, too, so many strangers clad in black, but one stood out, a boy with kind eyes. He was smaller than the others, more like a coyote than a wolf, but Anna found herself drawn to him. The way he smelled and moved reminded her of the being who had pulled her from the darkness. It was as if that essence had taken shape and realized itself in front of her. A soft knock on the door startled Anna. She smoothed the sheets around her before calling at whoever it was to come in. The door opened, and a boy, no older than herself, entered. Anna stared. It was him. 
Even as a human, she could tell it was the coyote from the night before, and the essence from the dark. Anna felt her face grow hot when she realized she was staring. Oh good, you're awake. The boy moved with an easy grace over to her bedside. I thought you might be, but I didn't want to wake you if you weren't. Anna looked up, searching his eyes. You're the one from last night, aren't you? Shock spread across his face, but then he laughed. I won't be able to hide anything from you. I'm less. Anna. I know who you are, believe it or not, and I've come to check up on you. Les plopped himself on the foot of her bed, placing a leather medical bag between them. He rummaged through it, pulling out a stethoscope. Don't worry, I'm a doctor. Coming from anyone else, Anna would have taken it as a joke, but even with Les making light of his position, she knew it was true. She believed him without question, feeling there was more to this boy than met the eye. It felt odd to trust a stranger so wholeheartedly, but Anna did. Les ran his fingers over Anna's wrist, taking her pulse. You gave us quite a scare last night. Sorry about that, Anna cringed, trying to withdraw. Don't be. It wasn't your fault. So, it was you, when I was dying. Anna studied the strange boy. I was dying, right? Yes and no. Les occupied himself by checking over her neck instead of meeting her eyes. You suffered heavy blood loss, but... If you're talking about the place we met, that's something else. So it was real. I didn't dream it or make it up. It's very real. You went through a lot last night. Les leaned over her, removing the gauze from her neck. You might have a bit of a scar. Only a bit? That's a small price to pay. The price is greater than you think. Les sounded too grave to be giving her a clean bill of health. What do you mean? Well, Les sat back, making himself comfortable. I know you know about werewolves, but do you know what Will was and what he did to you? Revulsion shook Anna's body. He was a creep, but I'm guessing he was something else, too. Anna brought her fingers to the wound on her neck. It felt closed, but there was no way it could have knitted so quickly. I'm guessing vampire. Bingo. <laughs> do I win a prize? Sarcasm felt like the only thing keeping her from going over the edge. Actually, sort of. Les placed a finger on the spot on Anna's lip where Will had bitten her. What happened here? Memories Anna didn't want to remember flashed before her eyes. She tried to speak, but her throat felt like it was closing. Oh, Les drew back, giving Anna space. You don't have to say anything if you don't want to, but I'm here to listen if you do. That was where he started. Words tumbled out of Anna's mouth, and she touched the spot on her lip, now a small bump. He bit me there before he did this. She pointed at her neck. The memories flashed through her mind, fresh and raw, and she had to hold her hands together on her lap to keep them from shaking. He laughed at me at one point. He said it was funny, but he didn't have time to explain. He kissed me. Anna blanched. I couldn't move. I couldn't think of anything to do, so I bit his tongue as hard as I could. That's when he laughed at me. Ah, Les said slowly. It's starting to make sense now. You're a brave girl, Anna, and I'm really sorry for everything that happened to you last night. Anna could no longer hold back the tears and hunched forward into a sobbing ball. Les placed his hand on hers, lightly, ready to pull back, but Anna grabbed it, clutching it between her own. She leaned forward into the boy, and he held her as she cried. 
Eventually the tears stopped and her trembling subsided. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. It's fine. If you ever want to talk about it, I'll be there for you. Even though we just met? Well, our first meeting was special. Once you've seen someone's essence, you know their heart. I liked what I saw in the dark place. I assume you liked me too. I did, but, um, not in a way... <sighs> Les laughed. Relax, Anna. I didn't mean liking in a romantic context. I've seen your true heart, remember? I get it. I understand you're not into guys that way. Really? How did you know? Takes one to know one, maybe? Les winked at her. Or maybe I can tell from experience. I think I'll keep you guessing. You're such a tease. See? You know my heart, too. Anna narrowed her eyes at the boy, as if squinting would allow her to see that nagging thread she was grasping for. But the clue didn't come from anything visual. Instead, the answer bubbled up from her heart. You're bi, right? Les drew back, his brows lifting in shock, but his easy grin returned along with a bit of color to his cheeks. I'm not going to be able to hide anything from you, am I? Anna laughed from sheer relief. Les was easy to talk to, and he was right. She did know him rather intimately already. She trusted him. So, can I ask you something, then? When Will said my biting him was funny, was that because he was a vampire? That is kind of funny, but I don't think that's what he meant. When you drew his blood and exposed it to your own, you started a process we call turning. It's how vampires change a human into a vampire. So... I started turning myself into a vampire. Yep, completely by accident. That's what sent you into the darkness. By helping you find your way back, we completed the process. If we hadn't, you would have died. Anna shuddered. Would I have stayed in that dark place? I'm not sure, to be honest. There's a whole lot we don't know about death or the darkness. So, did I die last night? Am I... Undead? No, I assure you, you're quite alive, but you're also a vampire. What does that mean? You're about to find out. Les pulled a plastic bag out from his medical case that looked an awful lot like a blood bag. Time for breakfast. That concludes Chapter 11. Runaway is currently available for you to listen to for free. I will release a new chapter every week until the book is finished. But if you can't wait to find out what happens, the ebook is available through Kobo and Amazon. Just search for Sabine Wilder or get a direct link from my website at sabinewilder.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to give me feedback, you can always email me at sabine at sabinewilder.com. Don't forget to rate this podcast and help me grow. Thank you for listening, and have a pleasant night.